Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Take your Bibles today to John. Uh, John, we're going to look at John chapter 19. Uh, we're continuing on a series about the red letter day. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke 19. Sorry, Luke 19. Um, and in this journey, we've been discovering some final words that Jesus said. Whenever I'm referring to red letters, I'm referring to in your Bible, uh, if you have a red letter edition, a red letter edition Bible takes and highlights what Jesus said from everybody else as his words in red letters. And uh, that's the whole premise of this series that we've been on, has been focusing in on these red letter words that Jesus said on his very final moments here on earth before he took his last breath and departed from us. So here's kind of the context of what has happened. Just real quick, painting the picture, we have Jesus uh, in the garden praying out to God, asking his father, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He didn't want to go through the scourge and through the, the suffering of the cross. So if it was possible, if there's another way, then maybe you can give me another way to do this. But he also went on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. A few moments later, he's arrested. When he's arrested, he is taken off. He's given not one, not two, but three different trials. One by Pilate, uh, the, the, the leader at, of Rome at the time. Then he was sent to Herod, a, a leader of a smaller jurisdiction, who sent him back to Pilate. And every single time, they didn't want to do anything to him, but they just beat him. They would, they would have him be punished with uh, the cat of nine tails, beaten 39 times. Uh, bones and glass would rip and shred through his back. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head and forced it down, and blood would be pouring. He would be very badly, badly beaten. Uh, so many different things that, that went on in the suffering of Christ in these final moments. So here's where we come into this story of where we're at. They force him to carry his cross. Uh, they take and they nail spikes into his hands and his feet, his wrists and his feet. And he is now suspended between heaven and earth. His final moments, his final breaths, what did he say? What is it that he said that made an impact in history? Our very first week, we learned that he said, he said uh, these words, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And my encouragement to you was this. If the Son of God felt forsaken and alone, we too at times will feel forsaken and alone. However, I gave you hope. We will never feel as alone as Jesus felt in that moment in time. Because even God himself turned his back on his own son because of the result of sin. And we will never have to face that because of what Jesus did upon the cross. And everybody that says amen, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, God, right? Thank God for that. Doesn't mean you won't feel forsaken, doesn't mean you won't feel alone, because you will have those moments that, that that comes into our hearts. But we have to remind ourselves we're never alone, because Jesus went through the loneliest places and took it upon himself. So that was why. And I, I challenged you the first week, I said, instead of asking why is this happening to me, ask God what are you trying to do in me? Instead of why, what? What is it you're trying to correct? What is it you're trying to fix? What is it you're trying to get me on the right thing? Instead of why, ask what? Second week, we learned about Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. 
And in that, in that particular time, it was showing the love of Jesus that even though he'd been brutalized and beaten and, 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 and anguished on the cross, he prayed for all of us to have forgiveness, and we're so grateful for that. But it doesn't stop there. Because we've been forgiven, we are to then offer forgiveness to those around us. We're to ex exchange the forgiveness that we have been freely given to others in our lives. That doesn't excuse away behavior. That allows forgiveness to rule and reign. And so Jesus taught us the true, proper response of forgiveness. Last week, uh, if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 28, uh, it goes into this passage that's a bit interesting in all of the words that he spoke. Uh, it says, later knowing that all had been completed, uh, Scripture had been fulfilled, Jesus said these words, say it with me. He said what? I am I am thirsty, and a jar of wine vinegar that was sitting there, and it was on a sponge, and, and a stalk of hyssop, and was put up to his lips to give him drink. And I challenged this last week, and I encouraged us to understand this, that when he said, I am thirsty, he was first of all saying, I am the great I am. I am the everlasting one. I am God. I am the one who came, came to seek and save the lost. I am am the great I am. Number two, he was saying, I understand your pain. I understand your struggles. I understand what you're going through. You're not alone. I am the great one, but I understand. And then he finally was saying, but understand this, I am the only way you will ever be able to make it through this life. I am the only source you need. You don't need more money, you don't need a better relationship with other people. You need a proper walk, surrendering your life to God. He is the only, I alone am the only way that you can find peace in this life. Uh, so I, I am God. I understand your struggles. I alone can fill your greatest need. Today, let's continue to read today. We're going to get to uh, one of the final verses of this particular section. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, the whole hope of what happened on the cross. Uh, we're going to talk about today you will be with me in paradise. That will be for Easter Sunday. Today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19, verse 30, continuing reading where we ended last week. Here's what it says. When he had received the drink, Jesus said three of the most amazing, profound words that prayerfully sometime in our life we'll be able to say. He said these words, say it with me really, really loud. Say it loud. Here we go. It is finished. Now, listen, I have been up all morning as well. Uh, you all got to sleep in just a little bit more than I do. You should be way better than that. All right, let's try it again. Ready? It is finished. Very good. He said it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Father, help us today to finish strong. May we learn today from what Jesus spoke upon that cross in the middle of of his suffering, in the middle of his anguish, blood, loss, thirst, unquenched, life ebbing out of his very mortal body. In that moment in time, he finished strong. So help us today to see what that means to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. It is finished. Tetelesti. Tetelesti is in the Greek, and it means to complete, to execute, 
to have a finale, to discharge and be completely at the end and the race has been won. And in this moment in time, when Jesus spoke these words, he was saying, the debt had been paid. What was the debt? Well, the Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. That means when we sin, we actually bring death upon our lives. And that doesn't mean death in a good way. That means death to our spirits. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, praise God, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, right? And this is what he was saying. He said, it is finished. The debt has been paid. No longer do you have to work and sacrifice because I have become the perfect sacrifice for me. Father God, it is finished. All the sin, all the lies, all the thoughts. Think about it. Think about your life. All the words spoken in anger. Think about all the sin that has so easily entangled us. He took all that, placed upon himself, and he said, it is finished done. I've done it. I've completed my task. I've, I've fully executed, Father, what you sent me here for. It is finished. He became the perfect high priest. In those days, whenever you would take a lamb uh, to be sacrificed for your sin, they would look that lamb over from head to toe, and they would look for any imperfections because they had to be perfect sacrifice. And whenever the lamb was found to be perfect, they would say, perfection, it is done. And they would sacrifice that animal for the sins of all of humanity. What was he saying in this time? I talked about this last week. I want to go a little deeper into it. What was he saying besides the sacrifice? Here's what he was saying. Remember what I said last week, 332 prophecies were spoken about the Messiah, the Messiah, who was going to come and deliver his people from their sins, who were going to set them free from the bondage and captivity of this world. 332 prophecies. Here's what Amos said. I'm just going to give you a few of the three. I'm not going to do 332. We don't have enough time, but they're there. Trust me, they're there. And here's what Amos said. Amos prophesied, darkness will fall upon the land. And it was fulfilled. Psalmist said he will be betrayed and mocked, and it was done. Uh, Isaiah said that he would be beaten for our iniquities and bruised for our transgressions, and it was done. Zechariah said he would be forsaken by his friends, and what happened the minute they took him away, all of his disciples and his friends fled from him. It was done. Uh, Isaiah also said he prayed for his persecutors. He prayed for the ones who did this to him, and he did, and he did. The psalmist said that they cast lots for his clothes, and they did. And these are guys that didn't even know they were fulfilling prophecy, but they followed through because everything was finished through him. Um, it said that not one of his bones would be broken, and not one was. They used to, in those days, if the travail of the crucifixion was taking longer and they were having a hard time breathing. They would go up and they would look at the, the, uh, the uh, criminal on the cross and if they couldn't breathe well and he was just taking too long, they would break his legs because they would use it to push up to catch a breath. 
Not one bone was broken in Jesus Christ. Uh, it says through Scripture that he would say, my God, my God, where have you gone? Why have you forsaken me? Prophecy said that he would be pierced in his side in water and flood flow. Prophecy said they would give him vinegar to drink, and they did. And this was all prophecies to the completion of who he was. Why? Because he was the totality of God. He was the completion of God himself. He came to, sac to be sacrificed, and it was not easy. It was not a get up and wake up just another day at the office. It was suffering. It was bloody. It was painful. You just imagine what it was and times it by a thousand, and that's what he went through. Jesus fulfilled everything when he said, it is finished. And Jesus hanging on the cross, Satan celebrated the crucifixion and the brutality. He thought he had won. But I'm here to tell you, he finished his earthly, earthly task only to come back three days later to set our earthly task into effect. And while it's great news, praise God, it is finished. I'm here to tell you today, I got bad news. It is not finished for you and me. Hello? We're not done. Just because we see what he did upon the cross and we, we, we thank him for what he did and we say, yeah, it's finished. Woo, that does not mean we get off and we can stop because there's something more that he's called us to do. Revelation chapter three, verse one through two. I get it. Revelation, you're like, he never reads from Revelation. It's Revelation day. Here's what it says. It says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but what, but what, but what, but what, but you I said, you are what? What's it say? Wake up. I feel like I got to say it. Wake it up. Wake up and uh, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. What's he saying here? He is saying, listen, Jesus is completed, but you and I have not. All of us, write this down in your notes, all of us have unfinished business. All of us have something that we still are supposed to do. All of us. Whether you are 16 or 60 or Pastor Terry's age. All of us have unfinished business too. I want to tell you, just real quick, that's what I love about Pastor Terry. If he isn't done, or he isn't dead, he isn't done. That's what I love about him. He's still doing it. And this is what God's called us to do. I'm not talking about painting your house, although that's a good thing to do. Finish it all the way, people. Don't leave that 5% undone. Right? You know who you are. Nobody will see that. Put a picture over it. <laughs> the couch covers that part, right? I'm not talking about repairing your car. I'm not talking about 
the, the, the things of this world. I'm talking about a supernatural spiritual business that God has called each one of us to do on this earth. He finished, but we are not. We are called to do something great while we still have breath in our lungs to do what he's called us to do. Some of you may be called to forgive someone that you've held a grudge with for so long. Others of you, maybe you're called to get debt free because, and the freedom of not having debt means you can be more generous to help other people around you. And when you're more generous, you can help them see without them knowing the breath of God and give them encouragement in their life. Maybe some of you today is to foster a child, be a foster parent or to adopt a child in some way or form. Maybe today it's to go back to college or finish college. Uh, maybe it's to go on to another step of education. Some of you maybe to start a business that you maybe don't know anything about, but that's what God's calling you to do. Some of you, it's because God has put you in a world with a lot of people that don't know who Jesus is, and the greatest light they ever will see is you. And your unfinished business is to share and tell them about who Jesus is. Others of you, maybe it's to take a mission trip somewhere. Uh, maybe it's to go to Camp Penuel, uh, which we have a meeting right after church today for Camp Penuel this summer. We would love to have you come. Maybe that's your, one of your steps. You're going to do a mission trip and give beyond yourself. What's your, what is your unfinished business? Let me tell you something. It's more than making money. Anyone can make money. It's more than just getting a house and getting a car and getting clothes. It's more than just what we see in the here and now. There is a supernatural, unfinished business that all of us have been called, and, and, and I believe that God is begging us to come and finish what it is because it's real easy to start. It's hard to finish. So how do, we, how do we finish the work that he's called us to do? How do we finish this task that he's given us? Write this down in your notes. First one is this. We have to, we're going to make a commitment. We're going to make a commitment. Turn your name and say commitment. Paul said this. says, now finish the work that, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Let's just hold that up for a second. Understand this. In our world today, there are many people who are eager who never finish. Don't you know eager people, eager beavers, right? They're eager about doing, I mean, we see it all the time in the church world. We see people eager to serve and eager to step up, but man, they fizzle out after a very short time. I had somebody, a pastor of mine years ago, tell me something that was very wise and very good. He said, never equip eagerness because eagerness will fall short. Equip commitment, commitment. And that's what I wanna talk to you about. It's one thing to, have, to be eager. It's another thing to have a commitment, we see it in our world every single day. So that your eager willingness to do it is matched by completing it. Notice it doesn't say that your eager willingness is so that, you know, you show up and you may make it. Who knows? 
Your eagerness matches your commitment to complete the task. Unfortunately, our culture is defined by eagerness, not by commitment. People are eager, Scripture says. People eager to get money fall short and fall in love with money because the root of all evil is the love of money. Eager versus committed. People are eager to get into a relationship. They're eager to move in with each other, but they lack the commitment to say, I do. Eager needs to follow. Our eagerness needs to match up with commitment. People eager to serve, but never show up to serve in any capacity whatsoever. Eagerness is just eagerness if it's not followed through with completion or commitment. There has to be a commitment. And this is the challenge in our world today. In 1519, Hernando Cortez, with the help of the uh, Spanish government, had 11 ships and 700 men set out to find new worlds, new lands. And as he went out, he, he came upon the land of Veracruz. And there in Veracruz, they were very eager and very, very willing to do it. But then they ran into the, the natives who killed many of them. They came upon sickness and disease and starvation. And there began to rise up inside them a lack of commitment. So what'd they do? A mutiny started to rise up against Hernando Cortez. When he discovered that the mutiny was going to load the ships and head back home to Spain, he made a commitment. He said, burn the ships. This is where we are to stay. And sometimes in life, if you really want to see that, that end goal, you need to, even though you're eager, you got to make a desperate commitment. Jesus committed to do something. Here he is in the garden. Think about this. Here he is in the garden. He is crying out to God. The Bible says that he was in such anguish and such turmoil that the capillaries overwhelmingly began to burst. And it's like said drops of blood began to come from his head because of the torment that he knew he would go through. And what was he saying? Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. If you got another way, please let it be. He was eager that God may have something else, but what did he say? Not my will, but say it with me, but yours be done. If you can do it, but if, you, if this is it, I commit all the way to the cross. Now, here's what it means for you and me today, okay? Where is it in your life that you're eager but you're lackadaisical in your commitment? Where is it in your life that you say, Father, whatever your will is, or I'm sorry, Father, if it's possible, take this from me, but not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Where is that? Healing? Maybe you need a healing today and you've been praying and praying and praying, but instead of praying for against God's will, you say, God, whatever your will is, that's your will that I desire. 
finances. Maybe financially you're struggling, you're trying to figure out how to make ends meet, and you don't know how to get from here to there, and you're saying, God, I just need a better job, I need more money, whatever it is. But yet, really, what God would say is, hey, surrender your money to me, surrender your time, your talent, your treasures to me, and I'll take care of the rest, because I can do more with 90 than you can with 100. Where is that today? Is it a relationship? Relationship that you're eager for, trying to make happen? Or a relationship that you, you're trying to get the attention of someone, and you need to surrender your will to God? Where is it today that you're really eager, but you're lacking in commitment? Some of you today, it's your commitment to Christ is not where it's supposed to be. You're committed to Christ as long as it fits in your narrative and what you want to do. But Jesus says that when we come to Christ, we have to die to ourselves die to what we want, die to our agenda, and we surrender to what Christ wants to do. Where's your commitment at? Why is it difficult to do? Let me tell you why it's difficult to do. Why it's difficult to die to ourselves? Why it's difficult to say, not my will, but your will be done? Because when we say that, what we're saying is we're saying, God, I trust you to do what you want to do. And even though it might not be pleasant it might not be easy. I believe you have a reason for why you're doing what you're doing, and I will trust you. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, Father, I trust you that even though this can be painful and I'm going to suffer a lot, you know what has to be done. So let me ask you, what is it that God's calling you to commit to in your life? No matter your age, no matter where you're at, where is he calling you to step deeper into? What is that thing that you're eager for but you haven't committed to and God is saying time to commit? That leads us to the next one. When we make a commitment, we take the next step. Turn to your neighbor and say, next step. Next step, next step, next step. The chasm, the chasm between Finishing and where you're at is the next step. Let me say that again. The chasm, the separation between you and the finish line is the next step. Whatever that is, take that eagerness and make a commitment to the next step and the next step and the next step. Whatever that is, whatever his will is, let's make the next step commitment. Uh, the, the, the movie that I think about all the time, and I refer to this quite a bit over the years, and our younger people don't get it, our older people will get it. Uh, it's What About Bob? What About Bob all had to do with the next step, baby step. Baby stepping out the door, baby stepping in the elevator, baby stepping down the sidewalk, baby stepping, because Bob had a problem. His problem was fear paralyzed him to not move into the next step. But he learned one little step at a time, got him to where he needed to go. And by the time the movie's all done, it's very funny. By the time it's all done, he's making strides. I mean, he's making huge steps. Why? Because every one of us have to take a next step. Here's what Psalm says, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my, say it with me, a light unto my path. Where's, it, where's the lamp at? It's a lamp unto my feet. It's not high up. 
it's down low. It's just one step in front of the other. I really wish God would give me a, a lighthouse that I could see miles down the road where he's taking me and what's going on. Anybody else want that? Let me see your hands. Yeah, we're all controlling. <laughs> but this is what happens. The next step, the next step, the next step. It's just one step at a time. God gives us, the, gives us enough trust and faith for one step, one step at a time. I never would have thought that 31 years ago that I would be here where I am in my life. I look back over my life and I understand this. I only got here because of the next step. And I'll get 30 more years down the road, I'll get there because why? The next step that needs to be taken. I don't know what your next step is. Maybe you need to write a letter to someone to ask them for forgiveness or to tell them you forgive them and release them from the guilt they're in. Maybe some of you today, you need to cut up credit cards and get on a budget plan and start turning back saying no to meals because in our world today, maybe not traveling as much or whatever it is. Maybe that's what God wants to have you do in order to get out of debt. That's your next step. A phone call to be made. Um, a resume to be updated because maybe God's calling you to step out, maybe go to another place and do something else. Maybe it's to make right a relationship that has gone wrong. What is the next step that God is calling you to do? To forgive, to release, to give opportunity to. Maybe some of you today, your next step is this. You have been coming to church for a long time, but you never really have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've tried to make it on your own. You sit and you listen. You go, that's good stuff. I like it. But in inside, in your heart, you've never truly acknowledged you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And your next step today is to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I, bring, I take the next step towards you to save me from where I'm at. Maybe that's your next step. Some of you, your next step is to volunteer in a place, to serve in some capacity. Maybe to get involved with a small group. I don't know what it is, but make a commitment to take the next step. There's different seasons that Jesus had in his life, from the garden to Golgotha to the grave. He took a step when he put the cross on his back, he carried up the hill. He took the step of the hope of the world when he sprawled his arms out and says, I love you this much. And they pierced him and they nailed him to that wooden cross. He took the next step when he began to cry out for you while he was dying, suffering and bleeding there on the cross. He took the next step to give you hope when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. All the bondage, all the addiction, all the things that hold you captive. He set you free right there on the cross. He took the next step. He took the last step when he said, Father, it is finished. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, listen, being confident of this, of what? This, that he who began what? Say it with me. He who began a what? A good work. A good work in who? In me. He who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Jesus. Let me tell you something. He's not done with you. You're not finished yet. 
You haven't reached the end where you say, well, I've done everything I'm going to do. No, no, no. We're not there yet. There's so much more. There's people to be reached. There's someone you need to invite to Easter this week. There's someone that you work with that you've been working alongside for maybe years or maybe months, but they need to know who Jesus is. You're going to invite them next week to one of the things, and they're going to come, and they're going to experience who Christ is. Why? Because you're taking the next step. You're committed to the next step. What is it that God's calling you to do? When we fail, when we falter, when we fall short, we get hung up and hurt by life. We're running a good race and something cuts in on us and we hurt. He who began a good work will carry us through to completion. This is the love of God. This is why Jesus, when he spoke those words, it is finished. It resonates in my soul because it means when I make a commitment and I take the next step, he meets me where I'm at. And when I fail, and I fail, when I fall short, my father doesn't give up on me. My father doesn't say, how many times? No. My father, like that father, picks me up puts me around his shoulders and say, come on, you got this. Let's finish strong. Father, help us. Help us today to know we're going to finish strong. This world pulls at us. This world tries to draw us away from you. This world tries to distract us from what you want to do in us. But God, I'm so thankful that you're not done with us. You're not done with me. You have something you want to do in my heart and my life, something to finish strong. And all you're looking for is me to make a commitment and take the next step, take the next step and the next step and the next step and find myself one day down the road looking back going, how did I get here? I only got here because God, you carried me. You helped me when I was struggling. You were there in the darkest times of my life. When I failed, when I fell short, you were there, God. You met me. You carried me all the way to the finish. You're not done. You're not done. He's not done with you today. You're not finished yet. Doesn't matter your age. You're not done yet. You're not dead. You're not done. Until the line is drawn, you're not done yet because he has called you and Jesus is with you to carry you through those hard times. These are the days that we prayed for A stirring of faith has begun And I've seen so much, still I'm certain That the best has not yet come And Jesus, sure
steps have got to be done, and this is your time. This is your time. Some of you came in this place. You thought you were just going to come and just play church, but God is saying deeper commitment. Eagerness does not equal commitment and completion. Eagerness is an emotion that will pass. Commitment stays steady no matter the emotions that are going on around you. Eagerness, eagerness is Peter, whenever he said, I'll never betray you, Jesus. And yet he did because that was eager. That wasn't commitment. Commitment was who Peter was on the day of Pentecost when he stood up before thousands of people and told them who he was. That's commitment. He didn't care what his life held. Commitment was not when eagerness was when he said, uh, you are the resurrection of the life. And yet commitment was Peter, whenever they went to kill him and crucify him, he said, don't do it the way my Savior was crucified. Crucify me upside down. I don't deserve to live like him. That's commitment. And he's not done with you. He's not done with me. What is it he's calling you to do? What is the commitment to go deeper? What is the commitment to take the next step? Head bowed, eyes closed. Father, help us today to finish strong. Not in our own strength, but in your strength working through us. Help us, God, that that, that thing you're stirring in our hearts, that thing you're calling us to do, help us to commit and take the next step and the next step to see it to completion. God, I pray right now in this place for hearts that need to be changed and lives to be touched. God, for those that, that need your Holy Spirit to guide and direct their steps, speak clearly to them, God. Let them know you're not done with them. You have something great for them to do. And God, as we follow you, as we're committed to you, as we take the next steps, let our lives be a testimony of finishing strong, not in ourselves, but in you, Jesus, and what you do in our lives. We thank you for that, God. Stir us right now to be committed to the new thing you're calling us to. Jesus, you're not done with me.
He never gives up on us. Aren't you thankful for that today? I'm thankful that no matter where we're at in life, no matter if you're if you are here for the first time or the or the 500th time, it doesn't matter. He never gives up on you. Day, day, day in and day out, He never gives up. Stay committed. Take the next step and know when you fall. He never gives up. He comes in, He lifts you up, and He carries you through. Aren't you thankful for that? All right. God bless you guys. Have a great day. He never gives up on you. Go in His name, in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa, with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.